Tom Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your tea, little Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your tea, little Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. We are here this week to talk entirely about uh, the biggest TV show probably of the year. No, insane. Which is uh, Game of Thrones, um, HBO's Game of Thrones pre- prequel, House of the Dragon. We, um, uh, I-, I knew, like, from, I knew we wanted to cover this show mm-hmm. um, because we were big Game of Thrones fans. Right. Um, but. By the same token, we shied away from actually covering Game of Thrones until the final season for the same reason we we kind of are taking a we're we're taking a very measured approach to House of the Dragon, let's say. Because first off, coming out of the gate, I was not sure that people were going to like it. We saw mm-hmm. screeners and I was like, I don't really know how much people are going to love this. And I, I will admit to being pleasantly surprised at how big the response was. It gets right. it got twenty million. It's view- interesting to see viewers. The, they just renewed uh, it for season two. Go ahead. It's interesting to see the difference between the critics' uh, reaction and the audience. You know, obviously there's a big divide. Well, here. I'm waiting to see. Like this is what I want to see because. Um, well, I'll get to that in a second. But what I, I wanted to say is that w- when we do. Um, when we really dive into a TV show and we want to do a lot of coverage of it, we want to look at the costumes or recap it or whatever, like we just did with The Sandman. Uh, we choose these shows, and earlier this year we did The Gilded Age. We just right. went deep in on The Gilded mm-hmm. Age. We choose the shows that we cover based on our audience and and readership and what they will respond to, right. as well as our own expertise in the area. Um, and then we weigh that against how much how much other stuff is going to be out there. And I knew well before this episode premiere, I was like, there's going to be an insane amount, an insane of, amount reviews of out there. recaps yeah. and costume analysis right. and just so much of it that I thought, I, I don't want to, I don't know how much I want to wade into that, right, right. especially if I'm not super excited about the, the show. Um, but we talked about it, and and you also have want to be part of the conversation. I mean, well, I want to be point. part of the yeah. conversation. I do. We did love Game of Thrones. Yes, and very it's very easy to fall back into it. Um, but this, and I know we're covering. Uh, I'm 99 percent sure we're doing a deep dive on Rings of Power, the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings Amazon show. I so I, we talked it out, and I spoke to Lorenzo about this because I really like when Lorenzo and I get to do a deep dive together on a show instead right. of one of us does a book report and then the other one does it on what they're watching <laughs> type thing. Right. So what we opted for, which I think is what we're doing, is we're going to continue to do podcasting about um, House of the Dragon going forward Each episode, yeah, and um, possibly some costume stuff because mm-hmm. we have some thoughts on the costume design we already. Do. And then um, probably written recaps on Rings of Power when that drops in a couple of weeks. I Of the two shows, I was more interested, more excited for Rings mm-hmm. of Power. And I'm still, I'm still kind of there. This is not a negative review of House of the Dragon. We are going in deep on, on the first episode. We're going to talk about what we know about where the story is going. Going, yeah. Some of which is laid out pretty clearly or foreshadowed pretty clearly, if not in the first episode, in the trailer for the season. So we are not going to spoil things. Too but much, yeah. We are going to let you know some overall direction about where certain characters are going. Um, so, 
My first, and then I, I'm just going to say right, this, right, right. and then I want you to mm-hmm. give your reaction. My first reaction to the first episode, and uh, I, I will say it was borne out in subsequent episodes as well. We've seen screeners. Is that it's slow? It's a very slow pace. It's yeah. a bit, and it's it's not. Um, full of necessarily the most colorful or interesting characters. When you compare it to the first episode of Game of Thrones, which introduced the Starks, the Baratheons, the Lannisters, right. the Dothraki, King's Landing, Winterfell, and the Night's Watch, all of this was introduced in like, I'm pretty sure the first episode, if not the first two. And um, this uh, House of Dragon, it's a lot of Targaryens in some really shitty wigs in the first episode. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the It's funny. Cause, but go uh, ahead. Let, let's, well, let's talk about the wigs. Everyone, everyone was talking about the wigs. I wanted to hear your general, uh, what is your general overview of the show? Um, like, I was very excited about it because that, it's the kind of show that you know you're going to pay attention to the costumes you're going to pay attention to the right cinematography uh all the, that stuff the production design the, the production music. design the props everything i mean i'm interested in all that that's that's that kind of show um so if i have to wait a little bit to get somewhere i don't mind so much because i'm i'm looking around it's <laughs> like I, I just walked into somebody's home and i'm just looking at everything and i'll, I'll wait for the dialogue to start but it is slow um but in general, I I liked it. Uh, I don't think it's giving us very much interesting to look at in these first no, few episodes. But uh, I still love it. Uh, I still think it, it's a great production. They spent a lot of money. You can tell on very it. Very expensive. Uh, not on the wigs. <laughs> not on the wigs. No. <laughs> they decided to go to five and below <laughs> for the wigs. Five below. Yeah. Five below for the wigs. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. They just yeah, party they, city wigs. Yeah, I know exactly. But. Uh, Anyway, and everyone was talking about the wigs, which I feel bad for the people involved, but they look cheap. Um, also, the costumes, we talked a little bit about that. Um, we're going to go yeah, into we'll all get of that. But that. overall, yeah. you... Um, overall, I'm interested. I think they're doing a good job presenting the characters and, and, and the storyline. Uh, if you know a little bit about it, you can mm-hmm. see where things are going. Uh, and if you're not, if you don't, if you haven't read the books like me, but I know the story, um, and it helped that I watched the screeners... Um, um, you see where things are going, and I think if you haven't read the book, um, it, it kind of explains things or or hints here and there. That's you know, you one get of the, hints here and there of what's going on, yeah. of what's going to happen. Just just the way they talk, the way they, you know, um, things that they reference. I'm yes, going to take exactly. a more um, sort of adversarial role here mm-hmm. in this because I I, I did l- like the show borderline love the show have a lot of potential to actually love the show but right now i'm focused on the parts that i think aren't working Mm -hmm. um and for instance you said that you were happy to just look around and i my response is they didn't give us anything interesting to look at in these first few episodes all right let's just stick with the first episode right it was all poorly lit dark uh castles all of which we had seen before Yes. So, and this is the problem with prequels is that, and you saw this a little bit maybe in the Star Wars prequels, although I honestly think George Lucas did a lot of work to make sure we were not revisiting the same places over and over again. But the problem with prequels is you lose that sense of discovery of that world because it's already been discovered. You know know what King's Landing is. No one needs to tell you. So here it is. Boom. King's Landing. 
and when you were first introduced to it in Game of Thrones, there was much Everything, more yeah. of mm-hmm. like, let's take a look around. Let's see how everybody's dressed. Let's establish all of these. So House of the Dragon isn't really doing any of that. It's like, well, here's here's King's Landing. Here's Dragonstone. You know, remember this? Remember that? You know, and fine, that does tickle your, you know, sort of nostalgia centers, I guess. it's like, And, you know, viewers like when they see something on screen that they recognize and they understand the reference. Uh-huh. So I... I sort of get it, but um, the opening story is very limited in what they're what it's about, um, and it has a very small, relatively small group of characters, so it doesn't have that super expansive feel to it that the very first episodes and the entire first season of Game of Thrones had. Now I do know where the story goes, and if I have to say. Maybe because it's a prequel, um, and we all know how this turned out 200 years later, but so maybe because of that, I'm encouraging those of you who don't, who might be faltering on this, go ahead and read the wiki on what, what the whole story is. Mm-hmm. It, because Or read the book. Uh, or read the book. Because when you find out what it is, and you really, you're only getting one point zero zero one percent of where the story is going to go in this first episode but when you find out where the story actually goes you're like oh i want to i want to see that i want to and it does it goes places it's generational characters get much older in the story they characters that you are just being introduced to have children that that go up to adult and obviously that's not all being covered in this first season but it's clearly where the show is going to go there is an expansive story there Maybe not as expansive as the Song of Ice and Fire, but um, I I feel like for a lot of reasons the the first season is going to have to be very small in a lot of ways. And we talked about this before the mics went on. I I think what they might have wanted to do is start while some of these characters some flashbacks right are adults right. and and the actual real war is going on and then you flash back to this stuff from when they were essentially children right. but they they're not doing they're not that doing clearly. it that yeah. way so um you're starting with you know um the Pr- beginning princess rhaenyra <laughs> yeah. when she's like 14 years old and and allison hightower mm-hmm. when she's like 16 years old or whatever um and those two characters and I'm not giving anything away because I think it's really clear in the first episode. Those two characters, those two women are going to be at the heart of this story. They're right. going to be what fuels the entire thing in a lot right. of ways. I think if you read the book, you love it. I'm just saying I think. I haven't read the book. But I do have a feeling that if you know the story, if you read the book several times, you're going to love everything about it. Exactly. But, I, it, however, yeah. uh, as the creator of a show, uh, you, it's your responsibility to make it also enjoyable yeah. and entertaining for someone who didn't read the book. I hate when people say, well, you should read the book. You know, it's great. I'm glad you can read and you read a book. But... You, you, I shouldn't have to. For no, I shouldn't have it. Yeah, yeah, you you should be able to just watch a show like I am now and enjoying it. Um, I think. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And uh, I what I love about the show also uh, is that it has a, a several uh, strong character female characters, and I love them. I mean, I hate shows just about men. I I I have to have women, strong women. Well, I mean, that is one of the things yeah. that George R. R. Martin's work is notable for is that he. You know, he a lot of his his Song of Ice and Fire books are um are an answer to Tolkien in a lot of ways. Right. He deliberately wanted to play with a lot of the toys that Tolkien played with and do things that Tolkien wouldn't or couldn't do. 
one of which was that he um, injected a shit ton of sex into the story. There's no sex in Tolkien, and and, right, and right, uh, right. Westeros is practically drowning in sex. Um, he also made the the stories much more violent, mm-hmm. um, and he centered women. He centered women in the story in the way Tolkien was simply right. incapable of doing. So you have characters like. In, you know Daenerys and Cersei and you know all, so many characters uh, Arya Stark and all of that these amazing female characters I think the ones in House of the Dragon have mm-hmm. potential and obviously you're not going to expect them to be Arya Stark was nothing in the first episode it's what right. she became exactly you just have to be patient the thing is yeah. that things are dropped now with like you know they, they drop shows now with six episodes 12 episodes and they give right, the entire right, right. thing to you so we're so used to that now that I'm, 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 I'm like watching the first episode and I'm like, this is not enough to establish. I think people were excited because it's a new show about right. the Game of Thrones people. But, you know, it's not enough. You have to watch more. I do believe that you have to watch a couple more episodes to be fully engaged and, and understand the whole thing. Yeah, and I'm interested I to do. see what the audience reaction will be over the next right, couple right, of weeks. Right. I appreciate that they have gay character they have a gay character, no spoiler. Um, I do love that. Uh, and and yes, the first episode, I, I don't like violence in general. Uh, and I do feel that the first episode was a little violent. Um, a little. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was one of the big entertainment stories of the week because there were a lot of protests. Uh, if you don't know, um, there's a scene, an extremely violent and bloody um, birth scene. Right. And in which... Um, no one survives basically the birth and uh they the the filmmakers the show creators wanted to make a point about um you know that it was a hard scene to watch and a lot of there was a lot of outcry against it because uh you know in the current political atmosphere mm, of right. you know reproductive rights and and bodily autonomy it was a very very difficult scene for a lot of people to watch however the uh, filmmakers, the show creators, were very clear that oh yes, that was the point. That was the point. The whole I don't the know. The point I, was to show that she, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I don't remember exactly, but I think it's a line in the in, in the book or something that says that you know the birthing bed is. She it, says it to it's, it's a to her daughter yeah. in in an earlier scene. She says it to Rhaenyra. This is the queen whose name I don't even right. know. Doesn't matter because she's dead by the end of the first and episode. They, they wanted to use that as you know the scene where they show people fighting and also her they kept birth. cutting back and forth between her bloody bed and uh the tournament that right. they were having in honor right. of of this this birth and uh the show is not subtle in a lot of ways so the um the tournament the arena that that they were having the tournament in was shot from above and it looks like a vagina this was not I did not know not subtle that. at I all did not like notice a vulva. um so Anyway, yes. So, so there's an extraordinary. Like, it really was very hard to look mm-hmm. at. And I, as I said uh, to you while we were, I was like, oh, I forgot. And this is clearly the intention on the part of the show creators. I said, I forgot how brutal this world is. And they really wanted out of the gate. They were like, oh yeah, remember this isn't Lord. This isn't the Hobbit, right? It's super bloody. It's super violent, and it's dark. Game of this whole uh, Song of Fire, Ice and Fire, Dance of Dragons, all of it is dark in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It's it's a dark time, and and people were violent, very violent back then. So I understand. There is no back then. This is not history. Well, but well, it's not history. But my point is that you know, in a pre in a pre whatever, yeah. uh, people were violent, and they 
you know, there was a lot of violent going on, violence going on, and and birth with heart too. Uh, you know, at some point in history, that's what the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> um, that women died a lot, um, and it, and it, it's a show entirely about succession. So birth right. and and death are going to be a big part of it, right? So I do understand the need to show. However, you can show a little less, maybe. Um, that's my point. I don't know. I had my I had my head down the entire time. I could barely watch the whole scene. I, 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 I every now and then I looked up and then back down again. I, it was just too much for me. I understood the creative reasons for why they and the story reasons for why they did it. I wasn't offended by it, and I um, certainly wouldn't tell anyone that they're not allowed to be offended by it. But I think it wasn't gratuitous. They had. They had thematic and and story and character reasons for depicting it that way. And it's a show. It's not like it was the only violence. It was being cross-cut with violence, other forms of right. violence. So it wasn't, to, to my way of thinking, it was not a misogynistic portrayal. If anything, it was trying to be real, um, real. real about the difficulties uh-huh. women have faced in history, especially when it comes to... I think that's the, that um, was the point. Childbirth. And of course, they had a whorehouse and a whore scene, but, but and again... And my goodness, they love saying the word whore a I lot. Know, I was like, Jesus. Wow, I haven't heard... Drink every time they say the word whore. Uh, again, there is an explanation why there's a whore scene. Um... Right, and I—I I don't know what is it. Well, that uh, Damon meets someone, and then oh, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but anyway, there is an explanation why uh, there's a whore scene with one of the main characters, right. uh, you know, having sex with a whore. Um, don't say a whore. Well, what they say I? whore. That's a slur. We say sex worker. Okay. Well, with well, sex worker back then, I guess. No, yeah. the, but the, we don't have to. Use. Anyway, there is no back then. This is not. <laughs> History, you weirdo. <laughs> there was no dragons in the Middle Ages. In my history, okay. yes, we had dragons. Anyway, a, a lady has sex with a lady. Okay, in a whorehouse. What, what else can I use? Anyway, listen, nothing, absolutely nothing against sex workers here at all. Um. Anyway, uh. So yeah, it's all these introductions, and and it feels a little bit like Game of Thrones, and like, oh, here we go again. People having sex, naked, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, you know, it, it, it's the show. That's the show. Um, yeah, I mean, that stuff, I know that it's easy to, to criticize, um, you know, Game of Thrones and and now House of Dragon for what could be considered a lot of gratuitous uh, sex scenes, especially um, in these sort of exploitive, you know, not every sex worker is exploited, but then again, not right. every sex worker on Game of Thrones was actually in charge of her own Destiny, if you know what I mean. So, I, I I understand the criticism, and it did get tiresome with Game of Thrones. It really did, especially because mm-hmm. they would have these long scenes of dialogue while they were just pounding away on some poor girl. Um, but I also think, you know, that is part of the flavor of this this particular story. Mm-hmm. Again, he took Tolkien, George R. R. Martin, and said, what if there was a lot more blood and a lot more fucking? And women were much more mm-hmm. important. It's all part of it. If you start taking that stuff out of it, it's not really George R. R. Martin's work anymore. It's right. just a bland Tolkien. It might, might as well be The Witcher. It, it reminds me of, of Rome, uh, the I, show Rome, yes. that had a lot of sex and a lot of violence. And uh, once you understand why, right, uh, the reason why, because it was part of history. Or right. Now we're talking history here with Rome. Uh, one of my favorite shows, by the way, ever. Um, and I'm... 
it's hard for me to watch it, but at some, but I also think that it, it you learn something from it. Um, right. If you're not familiar with history, or if you're not familiar how things were done back then, again, <laughs> right. Um, it teaches you something. I do appreciate the conversation about birth and women and suffering and how much women have suffered, you know, with giving birth yeah. throughout history. I, I, I did appreciate the conversation. One of the things else. Rome was very good at, and the creators of Rome were very open about this when they talked about the show, was that they wanted to establish that um, this is not a Christian world, and it's not even a Judeo-Christian world. Right. It It's separate from that, which means the ethics and morality of these people are sometimes very strange to mm-hmm. you, would be very strange to right. your audience. And in order to depict that, they depicted a world that was just awash in violence and exploitation. Um, uh, you know, it was Rome wasn't just about soldiers, and it was about sl- people who were enslaved right, and that right. sort of thing. Um, and I feel like, look, if it's not your bag, it's not your bag. But I, I feel like uh, a Game of Thrones adaptation or, you know, a Song of Ice and Fire adaptation, uh, it, it's established, this is not Earth. This is not even right. Middle Earth. Um, because, yes, that's the other thing. Tolkien's Middle Earth had a very um, Christian ethos to it. Very, very much a Christian ethos to that world. Christian morality. And uh, I think George R. R. Martin's Westeros is very good at establishing this is not mm-hmm. a world with a recognizable modern ethos or morality. And because of that, right. you are going to, to see, see a yeah. lot of people exploited, people slo- sold into slavery, and you know a lot of violence. It's part of that story. I would be upset if, say, The Rings of Power had a scene like the one that we're talking about, like some bloody birth scene, because it wouldn't feel right in Tolkien. Right. But you go to Martin right. to get the, the things that Tolkien won't give you. Yes, as as the creator of the show, you can make the choice of not showing any of that or or, allure, or you make allure it part into of- that and then, then cut, you know, but they decided to show it. And, you know... I mean, look at how people reacted with, you know. Right. It was uh, one of the more discussed TV show moments of the week. Um, I I don't think ev- you can expect every single episode to have a scene like that. Right. Um, in fact, I know that every single episode doesn't have a scene like that without giving too much away. Um, so... I enjoy being back in this world. I really do. And I think for a lot of the viewers, that is the appeal here, mm-hmm, especially because the last time we were in this world, we all kind of left it with begrudged oh sort of God. bad feelings. I hated the whole um, thing. Yeah. So, and I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know if people want to come back to this. I don't know if I want to come back to this. But I, whatever flaws the first episode may have or this overall story may have in comparison to Game of Thrones. Um, I was I was very happy to be back in that world, um, even if it's a much smaller slice of that world. Like, I'm, we're not going to see the Night's Watch right. anytime soon or anything like that. We're not going to see the Wildlings or any of those people. The Dothraki, none of that. Um, we did see Starks and Lannisters and Baratheons, although only in the background in the first episode. And I don't think that they don't really play much in the story. Not right. not yet, anyway. Well, that's I usually don't like prequels, uh, but this one, it's so far um, that it's actually an interesting story uh, <laughs> on its own. I mean, it's, it's nearly of, 200 years yeah, before Game of so, Thrones. <clears throat> so e- even if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, I think you'd appreciate it. Um, Oh, I don't know. No, No? I don't. I don't. Ah, Interesting. I don't see how anyone could get into this story without 
the various mm. callbacks that it's making. The fact that it's not explaining things because it assumes True. you already know them. True. What's the hand of the king? You already know, so nobody explains it in the first episode. And that's not a criticism. Right. I'm just saying overall, um, there's a certain loss of discovery when you just don't have to explain a lot of things. Um, Interesting. <clears throat> so one of the things that sets this apart from House, um, from Game of Thrones, like I said, it's set 200 years before, almost 200 years before it, is that it is a world with... Um, many multiple dragons in it. I think in the that is interesting. In the yeah. prologue, they say that the Targaryen family has ten adult dragons, but I think I read somewhere that at some point it's seventeen adult dragons. Now you have to remember that uh, Game of Thrones there were no dragons at all. All the dragons had died out, and then um, Daenerys Targaryen hatched three dragon eggs and became right the most powerful woman in the world. Right now, the Targaryen family has like three times as many dragons as Daenerys right. did. And what I love about knowing that, as you said, is that not giving anything away, I mean, knowing what the dragons can do now, it's right. kind of interesting to see them around like, all right, there's power here, right. <laughs> having a dragon. Uh, uh, so that, You had to wait nice. several seasons of Game yeah. of Thrones for the dragons to, to grow up and for Daenerys to start using them tactically. Right. Um, against her foes. And um, we don't need that sense of explanation, and we don't need to watch any of these dragons grow up. They're fully adult. In fact, I would say the ones that I, that they depict in the first couple of episodes, I'm pretty sure those dragons are much bigger than Daenerys's were. Um, um, Daenerys's dragons were young. They were adult, but they were young. And I swear, like, the one that uh, Rhaenyra rides, that's much bigger than... I don't want to give too much away, but they do talk about one of the dragons being so big that it covered the entire city. Yeah, I mean, these are yeah. bigger than yeah. Daenerys' dragons. Yeah, um, so they are big. So, and I don't think they overplay the dragons too much. The dragons are more of a of a thing that hangs over the whole story, but they're not, they're not constantly riding around on dragons. Um, be, Again, this goes back to the audience. The the filmmakers are assuming that the audience knows certain things about this world, and they don't have to establish that the Targaryens being able to ride and control dragons is why they're the the world superpower. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be explained, and they don't over-explain it. Again, that's not a com- criticism, but it does mean that the first several episodes, there's just no sense of true discovery right um you're not seeing anything new you're seeing exactly the same things that you've seen a hundred times over while if you watch game of thrones having said that and knowing the direction that this story is going to go i suspect they're pushing all those buttons in the first couple episodes like here's a white-haired girl riding a dragon you know that sort of here's you know the Iron Throne, except it's huge. It's even bigger than it was before. You know that it's going to push every button. Here's the hand of the king. Here's right. King's Landing. Here's the Dragon Pits. That sort of thing. Um, here's the Grand Meister, and, and it's just going to push every single button, and it's going to name every family. It's going to drop every family name that you know: the Tarleys, the Baratheons, the Starks, the Lannister. You know, on and on and on. And then I think it's going to move away. You you can see by the end of the second episode where it's going right. and how it's not going to simply be a redo of Game of Thrones. It, 
it is a succession story, which means it's not going to be that new. And it is a succession story in which women are centered, which is very similar to Game Yeah, of that's Thrones. what I like about it, is that um, it's very female um, center in a way, like female character. Uh, and I love that because they're strong. They, they play a, a very important part, uh, <coughs> every single one of them. And um, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's important to me. Uh, watching a show, um, and you see that they're developed, and and it, and it's interesting because right now they're all young, but they're gonna get older right. and, and play a much more important role um, in everything. Um, like I said, if you know where it's going, it it's you can't wait for it to get there. But right, right. now, it's all right. We're just uh, spending a lot of time setting some stuff up. I do question the 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 set like they could have done this differently they could have started later in the story and then flash or, back or just give a little bit and then right move, move so we pass. know so yeah. that the audience the casual audience who doesn't know where the, where the where the story is going has some idea uh-huh. um because i don't want to give too much away but you might think it's about certain characters you know facing off against each other and it's actually about certain other characters facing off against each other and we'll see how that plays out let's talk about the cast oh yeah well i'm happy to see and inform that most of them can act thank god because i don't want another Jon snow stuck forever <laughs> uh so i appreciate that most of them are i i like them i think yeah i good. mean i don't <clears throat> I agree. I, I don't think anyone's wowed me yet with their acting. Patty Considine as, as King Viserys is very good. He, he's um, uh, he's playing that sort of doomed Ned Stark character where you can just tell that everybody's playing him and he's not right. as in charge of the situation as you would hope he would be. Um, the big story of the week, the big character that everybody wound up talking about in the actor was Matt Smith. Yes. As Prince Damon. And I think a lot of people who were, rea- I mean, there was a lot of social media um, just chatter about him as the episode aired. And I think it was from a lot of people who were not familiar with his work. There's a lot of Game of really? Thrones fans mm. who didn't watch The Crown and oh, didn't right. watch Doctor Who. Mm. We've wa- we watched both those shows, so right. we were familiar with them. And so it was a lot of people reacting uh, to his acting style and to his looks. And people were actually really kind of mean about it. They were, yeah. Um, I'm, but, I'm so used to seeing him, you know. like Yeah, but yeah. people were like, who is this dude? And he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> I think because, you know, um, a lot of, of Martin's characters are supposed to be amazingly beautiful people. Well, this is true in a lot of fantasy fiction. Right. They're supposed to be such beautiful, beautiful people. And I mean, whatever. I'm not saying Matt Smith isn't, but he definitely has, you know, an acquired taste. In terms of his looks, he has an acquired taste. And I guess he didn't fit that square-jawed, white-haired, silver-haired yeah, prince whatever. that, uh-huh. he, you know, Prince Damon is supposed to but be. But I'll take that. Uh, he can act. <laughs> he can act. One thing I think... Um, Matt Smith is very good at is switching back and forth from being charming to being very menacing, which is exactly what Damon is supposed to be at this point in the story. Um, he's he's a dick, um, uh, and you know Westeros is full of dicks, uh, so he fits right in. Um, but at the same time, he plays well. The whole reason why he's so uh, sour and and you know and the way he is. Um, right. So I do like his interpretation of the character. Um, I liked Millie uh, Alcock as young uh, Rhaenyra. She's yeah. She, well, she's the only Rhaenyra that you're seeing on screen right now. Uh, the princess. I know you're not as much in love with her 
Um, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting used to her. You have to. Uh, I think they're very clearly playing with the Daenerys sort right. of uh, imagery with her. Oh because, God! <coughs> pardon me. She doesn't really resemble Amelia Clark at all. No, no, she doesn't. Um, but she is, you know, fair, very blonde hair and all that. And she goes with, the, with I guess, with the type of the character. But um, uh, she, um, she, I think she does a good job. It, it took me a while to get right. used to her because I despised the previous character so much. Uh, the way the previous character were. You mean wore. Daenerys? No, Amelia Clark. Couldn't Daener- stand her inter- uh, Yeah, couldn't stand her, inter- uh, you know, acting. Uh, the way he she performed um you know stop here anyway so i was like all right here we go please show me someone who can act and do a good job here because it's important um and she she does a good job no i really like her um i i think she has exactly that sort of she does not um like i said they're trying to evoke the imagery of of daenerys targaryen but she doesn't look that much like her (coughs) i'm sorry um but uh, I think she does a very good job of of sort of evoking Amelia Clark without being Amelia right. Clark. I think the two young ladies are good. Uh, uh, what, what's the other one? Uh, Allison. She's also good. Right. Um, Emily Carey plays Allison Hightower. Yes, she's good, and they they you know they're very important together. The reason why they they interact all the time so it, it they do a good job i think they're establishing what's about to come what's going right. to come in the future uh and i i do think that they do a good job uh they're young they're very young actors but they're they're doing a good job i think i agree uh and steve Toussaint as lord corliss valarion which i don't I, I, i'm glad to see um sort of a a to see a black face in the king's council right um but it also weirdly uh, just sort of shines a light on how few bl- there are no literally no other black faces except for the actors playing his children. Um, so it almost I, I'm glad they have diversified this world a little bit more. But by just adding one character, it actually stands out like he's literally the only right. black person in the scene. Right. right. Um, and and when you follow the story, uh, it's it, it feels a little weird that things happen to his character and he's also a man of color it just it feels a little like all right really not that i'm arguing against casting him first off he looks amazing his wig is the only wig that that i like on the show (laughs) true actually beautiful white dreadlocks but um i do like him i do like eve best who plays his wife as princess rhinese valerian yeah she's really good and i love her hair she's got this enormous like squared off pompadour that doesn't look anything like the real world but actually evokes the sense of oldness to it she's great there's a lot of her just looking at people and not saying much but then it gets to a point when she actually starts talking and we're like wow you're awesome and she's got so much reason (laughs) to be angry at everybody so you just sort of lean in and wait for her all right um the costumes Yes, the costumes. They are not as elaborate as the costumes on Game of Thrones. I was not really even surprised. close. Yeah. And there are certain costumes that um say um Princess uh Rhaenyra and Alison Hightower are shown wearing in certain scenes in the first episode, and I'm like, These these are seriously cheap looking costumes. Like they, they I can see all the seaming yeah. and all of the um embroidery looks like 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 trim that you would like buy by the yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yes. No. Yes. However, yes. Oh, God, and believe. actually, the, what what sort of made me reconsider everything I was looking at was the scene where um, Rhaenyra is um, named as the heir. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean that there are there are certain themes where um, the the costumes are they they pump up the costumes, uh, and that's one of the themes. <laughs> but in general. Um, they're not that great. Uh, they're very simple, and and we talked about this. Maybe there is an explanation why they're simple, uh, and not as elaborate as the Game of Thrones uh, costumes, uh, because it's a different time period. It's uh, it it's not the same. Um, they're 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 trying to present a different world, I think, and um, they're just not. You don't see a lot of details, like you said. It, it's not like things were hand embroidery. Or uh, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't look like they're there's I mean, these people are filthy rich. They have a lot of money, and you do see the jewelry. You see a little bit of the jewelry, but the the fabrics don't look that great. Uh, not that expensive. Not that rich. Um, and the embroidery as well. But every now and then, there's a scene where like, all right, this is a great costume. Yeah, and, that's and, what and, I was... And they're supposed to have more interesting costumes. I mean, I'm not giving anything away here, but there will be a there's time... There's a costume the, moment. Yeah, there's a, a big costume moment uh, to come. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm very curious to see uh, what they're going to do because it's, the costumes <laughs> mean a lot. They, they actually dictate... A lot of things to come, so I'd love to see that. I'm talking about the queen and the princess. They're going to be wearing something extremely uh, elaborate, or it, or something that you know will create a moment. And I can't wait to see them. I apologize for all the coughing. I, I think I'm having a um, air conditioning cold. <laughs> anyway, um, my point about the costumes is that um, I think some of that may be deliberate. They can't. Um, there, there was a 200-year difference between this and Game of Thrones. It's 200 years earlier. They really can't do wildly different styles um, for any of the characters because while um, fashion changes over the centuries, the fact remains that when you were looking at like the Middle Ages to the Renaissance period, um, there were only, you know, there wasn't, there weren't massive differences, uh, you know, in terms of what people were capable of making. I think what they're trying to do by showing them in some more simplified costumes, uh, at least in these earlier scenes before things start getting more elaborate, it's almost like the difference between the Renaissance and the Middle Ages. It's mm -hmm. almost like, okay, well, the the um, the uh, Game of Thrones took place in like, I don't know, the Elizabethan era and, and, and um, you know, House of the Dragon is taking place, you know, in the Viking era or whatever, even though it's all set in the same land and it's the same culture. So I think they're trying to do that where the costume design is is rich, but not as rich. Not I mean, when you think of how Cersei was dressed right. uh, in the when she was, you know, uh, Robert Baratheon's wife and everything. I mean, the way she dressed in court, the, the, the insanely elaborate dresses that she wore. And you're not seeing that in in the Targaryen court of you know King no. Viserys, and that's also very true of the sets and and the props and everything else. It, it is so dark, and it's pretty much just candle. It's like the Middle Ages, yeah. You know, it's or it, the Dark Ages in in Westeros, the um, throne room <clears throat> in King's Landing. It's the same one that you know the iconic uh, Iron Throne from. 
Game of Thrones, but the, the throne itself is much more elaborate. There are right. way more swords on it. And you could see the entire tr- um, um, room and everything. And the room itself, there was very little adornment on the on the walls. There right. were very few banners. Um, I think in Game of Thrones, most of the windows in that room were stained glass, but yeah, in I House of the that. Dragon, yeah. they're not. Subtle things like that to show that it is earlier. Right. Um, but there isn't some sort of massive difference in technology or culture or anything like that. And I think it's that's very, uh, especially the first episode. I, I, you know, I was that threw me off a little bit because it's it's way too I don't know bland in terms of uh, lighting and all that. Right. It does get better, but still the rooms are kind of empty. There's yes. not a lot of furniture, not a lot of stuff to look at. Right. Um, and combine that with the very slow dialogue and all that, and then you're just like, all right, I'm sitting here and just listening. Um, <coughs> you could look at that and say that, you know, the more elaborate look of West of King's Landing at the time of, of um, you know, Cersei and Robert Baratheon is maybe a reflection of their own grandiosity. Right. And that... <coughs> that's true, that's true. I mean, there there might be an explanation why, um, you know, I... I I, I have to say, I haven't read any interview with a costume designer. I, I, I should have looked for them. But I, I'm curious to see why uh, the costumes were ch- were chosen the way they were um, and the lighting and all that. You know? But but it does kind of, it does feel right for, for the scene, for the time. And um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I agree. Um, I don't know. I think... I think that's it for this week. We're going to cover it every week. Yes, we're going to cover it every week. We're going to talk about the costumes. And uh, like I said, um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the book, if you don't know where things are going, I, I say just keep keep watching. Right. Uh, because it does get better. It does get more interesting. And um, yeah. Um, yes. Again, I apologize for this. I just had a coughing fit in the middle of this and I... I just hate that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I swear I'm not sick. Um, but yes, I would give this a solid A minus. I liked it more than I thought. Um, Me too. Yeah. It has some flaws to it, but I do feel like the the cast is up to the task. The creators of the show know what they're doing, and um, the story's really going somewhere. <coughs> I, I agree. I agree. My only um, other thing that I want to bring up is that in the first episode, they make a reference to um, the um, prince who was promised and the prophecy of the of the winter winter is coming and the night walkers yeah. and all of that. And um, I don't know why. I guess I understand why they did it. They wanted to, you know, tie the two stories together. They wanted to give Princess Rhaenyra... Because her father is the one that tells her that, you know, there has to be a Targaryen on the throne because someday, you know, winter is coming. Um, so it gives her a motivating factor for everything that she's doing. It isn't just ambition. It's I have to keep heal the world. I have to make sure mm-hmm. that the world doesn't end. And I think on the other hand, it, it brings up the point. Well, uh, OK, but that prophecy turned out to be bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a Targaryen on the Iron Throne when this happened, and it wasn't a Targaryen that defeated, you know, the Nightwalkers. It was actually Arya Stark. And and the world wasn't united against them because Cersei Lannister decided right. not, you know. So I don't know if that's part of a larger point that, and this would be very Martin-esque to say that um, 
um, you know, prophecies are kind of bullshit. And if you base your right. whole uh, right. history on them, you're just going to be I disappointed. Think, I think that's something you have to remember and in taking into consideration while watching this uh, prequel is that you know what's well, you know what happened. You know what happened, and uh, right. so you kind of like, all right, I'll just go with that. Um, but the the prequel does a good job also uh, presenting like things like the um, the city watch, the commander of city watch, and and the king's garden, the, the king's garden, and all that. You know what he established and why they became so important and why they became right. the force that they became. Uh, you know what the everything about the costumes, what they wore, and everything. It's, I agree. It's, it's just great. It does a great job establishing all that, so you know why things ended I'm up the way they did. More excited about Rings of Power because Tolkien is a bit more my jam, and I think I'm just in the mood for something mythical and magical and not quite as brutal as this, but. I'm all in on this as well. Oh, and too, I'm actually yeah. really glad that we're getting these two series side by side because you really get to see two sort of, um, I don't want to say opposing takes, but two very different takes right, on largely right. the same style of material. Um, and, you know, there's something there for everyone. So we will be covering Rings of Power going forward and we will be covering more of House of yeah. Dragon going forward. And... Um, I don't know. Until next week, we'll yes. we'll be back, and Thank I'll for listening. pack my cough drops and have some honey <laughs> tea. And I'm really, really sorry, I'm sorry everyone. About that. Yeah. Um. And we'll be back next week with uh whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. So until then, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye bye.